Welcome to Survive and Thrive, where Oklahomans reflect on COVID-19 and racism. Survive and Thrive is a 24-episode podcast series where our team will interview Oklahomans across a diverse spectrum as how to survive and thrive during the twofold crisis of the health and racial pandemics. Oklahomans are no stranger to tragedy. The state's history is checkered with traumas such as the Dust Bowl, Tulsa Race Massacre, Trail of Tears, and the Oklahoma City bombing. Out of those tragedies was born the Oklahoma Standard. Now, as the state once again grapples with hardship, this time with COVID-19 and racial heartache, we will hear from multiple Oklahomans who must once again learn to survive and thrive. We are your hosts, Carolee Langford and Brooklyn Wayland. We are here with Cherokee Ballard today. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. So we'll just go ahead and jump in right here. I know things are a little crazy and unpredictable right now, but how have you been during this pandemic so far? Well, that's a pretty loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it <laughs> is. I'm doing okay. It's just been kind of just a different world we're living in right now. And the pandemic, I think the last time I was in the office was March 12th of 2020. So oh, wow. that's been an interesting dynamic of working from home. And then November before the pandemic happened, my husband died. And so oh. I am been living alone with my four dogs, which I hope are quiet while we're doing this. <laughs> and so it's just been a, it's just been kind of lonely, to be honest, and uh, just trying to reach out to as many people as I can and good friends. You know, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of good friends, but I don't have children, which is a whole nother uh, story of my life. I wish I did. Um, and I don't have any relatives that live here. So it's just been pretty lonely, to be honest with you. I've just really can certainly empathize with people kind of in the same situation as me, but I'm trying to stay happy and do things that make me happy. To be honest, my Christmas tree is still up because I love <laughs> Christmas and it makes me happy. So yeah. I'm just like, I'm going to leave it up the whole year. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> no shame in that. No shame. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing and you growing up. Yeah. So I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma at St. Francis Hospital, the big pink hospital. And when I was three, my parents divorced. And so my mom and I moved to Oklahoma City. And she was a very strong Cherokee woman and really instilled a lot of, I think, great qualities in me. My mom was the person that everybody went to for advice. And mm. some of my friends would call my mom and be an hour on the phone with my mother. I'm like, isn't that my friend from junior <laughs> high? <laughs> uh, but she was just such a strong woman and so proud of her heritage and proud of me. And uh, she grew up in kind of the heart of Cherokee Nation over in, near Muskogee, Oklahoma, and was always so proud of the heritage that we have in our family. Yeah. And so an interesting story from when she found out she was going to have a baby and found out it was a little girl. She wanted to name me Cherokee. And her Indian grandmother, who hails from the Cookson Hills in far northeast Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and she said, you're going to ruin that child's life if you name her that. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a battle of wills, in a sense, between my mom and her grandmother because she just thought that was the worst idea possible. And I'm here to tell you it was the best idea yeah. <laughs> that my mom had. <laughs> I love the fact that that's my name and I love the fact that that's my heritage. And she's 
stuck to it. And, and her Indian granny finally came around and said, you know, I think that was a good idea. So it, just the difference in generations, her grandmother, when she was coming up as a young Native American woman, she didn't talk about being Native American. Mm-hmm. Because back then, it was not something that you were really proud of. And so that kind of was part of the reason I think she didn't think it was a good idea to give me this name. But I'm so proud of my mom for doing that and sticking to it because it's just it's been such a wonderful blessing to me to have this name and to also have the Indian blood. After, you know, moving to Oklahoma City and I went to Putnam City Schools and then went on to OU and my mom single mom pretty much even though my dad you know was around it just she she was just a very strong Cherokee woman and I'm I'm thrilled that she was my mother because she just really instilled a lot of great values in me so mm-hmm. she was very supportive through my my whole life and um, unfortunately she passed away um, in a very early age and she was diabetic which is also a big concern for Native American people and her insulin and sugar levels were not under control and she was just such a proud person that she was more concerned about my health than she was her own. Mm. And so unfortunately she died at 62. So just a health crisis uh, among Native Americans right now with the diabetes. And it's just something that I'm very vigilant about my, what I eat and what I weigh. And because I don't, I don't, I want to live for a long time. (laughs) I want to be around for a long time. Yeah, of course. Of course. So will you explain to the listeners a little bit about what you do now and about your journey of going through and how you got to where you are today? Yes. So I am the first person on my mom's side of the family to go to college and to graduate college. And when I got to OU, I decided after doing an internship uh, with a local TV station, I thought this is what I want to do for a number of reasons. I just really enjoyed the investigative part of being a journalist, and I'm also terrible at math and science. So <laughs> I was Aren't like, we like well, what can I do for my life and my career that I enjoy that I don't have to be a great mathematician or scientist? Yeah. So I chose journalism, and I'm thrilled I did. I worked in the television news industry for almost 25 years and worked at the Uh, local ABC station here in Oklahoma City, and then also at the NBC station. But prior to that, I worked uh, at a little small TV station in Ada, Oklahoma, which was a great experience, K10, K-T-E-N TV. I I learned a lot there. I was a one-man band, so I carried my own camera, shot all my own video, edited all my own stories, and really learned a lot. And about, oh, half way into that year while I was working in Ada, I got a call from Channel 5 here locally and they said, we have a weekend anchor slot called Oklahoma Pride. Are you interested in auditioning? And I said, yes, I'll be there tomorrow. And so I auditioned with about five or six other young ladies and I got the job and I was thrilled. And so that kind of started my journey with Channel 5 and that worked into a full-time position and I worked there for almost 17 years and then my mom had passed and I decided I needed to take some time just for me and to get everything in order and in the meantime I taught at OU in the journalism school I taught writing for broadcast and absolutely loved it still in touch with some of my students which is fabulous and it was a great experience I loved every minute of that and then after that I went back to work in television and channel four offered me a great position and I did the nine o'clock news and reported during the day. And then that was a fabulous job. 
but then another opportunity presented itself to kind of go from being in front of the microphone to behind it, in a sense. And I went to the Oklahoma Medical Examiner's Office as the public information officer and legislative liaison. Hmm. Learned a whole lot there. They recruited me. They came to me and said, we think you could help us with some lawmakers and you'd just be a great liaison between the agency and the media and the public. So I worked there for a couple of years and and learned a whole lot about state government and Mm. the medical examiner's office, which is a critical uh, agency uh, because when someone passes on and it's either a suspicious death or unknown cause, they're like investigators as well. So they would, you know, investigate the cause of death and, and being the investigative journalist I was, it was, it was a fascinating place to work and really a, a very important agency. And that was a great job. And then where I am now, I work for Oklahoma Natural Gas as the public relations manager. The person who was in this role before me reached out uh, and said, I'm retiring in the fall. Are you interested in, in maybe applying for my position? And I thought, you know, this would be a, a nice transition uh, out of out of the medical examiner's office and into this. And so I applied and I, I got that job and I've been with Oklahoma Natural Gas for almost 10 years. Oh, that's so cool. So I see that you also have served on a lot of nonprofits. Why is this so important to you and what has been your experience in that? I think it's important to give back. Yeah. And I have been very fortunate in my life to have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things. And so the Oklahoma City Indian Clinic reached out and asked me if I would be willing to, you know, participate in their board activities. And I've done that. I've been on the board now for a number of years. And then the Leukemia Lymphoma Society of Oklahoma reached out to me after I was diagnosed with cancer at the very young age of 34. Mm -hmm. And it was a a lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I felt very proud of myself for conquering cancer, number one. But number two, I thought if I can help other people who might be recently diagnosed or going through chemotherapy and radiation, all the things that I went through, to me, that's just important. I feel like I want to give back to my community. And so I'm always open to helping nonprofits. And then I also worked for a long time with a a local dog rescue adoption program. Yeah. And that's just been extremely fulfilling because, you know, helping animals that can't help themselves. Um, I have four dogs of my my own and one is a rescue from this group that I worked with. And he's just the love of my life. And he was found in a box next to a veterinarian's clinic with six siblings. And they were all they all had parvo, which is can be a deadly disease for, for animals. And so this rescue group I work with stepped in and paid for the medical bills of all these dogs and several of them didn't make it, but mine did. And Mm -hmm. he was probably weighed six pounds when I got him. And now he weighs about 40 pounds. So he's just thriving and surviving. (laughs) Yeah. I just think it's really important to be able to give back. And, and honestly, you know, since I'd never had children and, and my husband and I just felt it was really important to be able to help our community and, various ways. And I'm, I'm thrilled that I've been involved in so many great nonprofits. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay. So Oklahoma has gone through so many different tragedies, just to mention a few of the Trail of Tears, the Tulsa Race Massacre, the Dust Bowl, 
the OKC bombing, not to mention the many tornadoes we see every season. But how do you feel that these tragedies have shaped the people of Oklahoma? I think we are a very strong state. We have grit. We have survival instincts. We can fight off any tragedy that comes our way. And I feel very strongly that Oklahomans are just resilient people. We've had a lot of bad things happen in our Mm -hmm. state, as you just mentioned. But I feel like in my life, all the things that I have had to endure and fight, if you will, it just makes you stronger. And I think Oklahoma just is an incredible place to live. And the people who live and work here are strong and resilient and really good people. I'm proud to be an Oklahoman and I'm really proud to be from here. And I'm proud of the way the state has responded to so many different tragedies. And you named a few of those and those are the big ones. And I just, I feel very proud of the state because we've gone through a lot and we, we come out stronger on the other end. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So what does that, that mean to you, that term to be Oklahoma strong? What does that mean to you personally? Oh, a lot. It means the pride that I have in our state, the pride I have in myself, the pride I have in my neighbors. And I'd like to share that message. So I have family, you know, cousins and people who live in different parts of the United States. And when something unfortunate happens, they reach out and check on me to see if I'm doing okay. And, Mm. you know, how did you handle this? And is there anything we can do? And I really feel like there's not much I can't handle. And I think it's because of all of the things that you mentioned and all of the things that have happened to me as a person and as a woman, as a Native American, as an Oklahoman, I just, it, I feel like there's not much I can't handle. And I'm, I attribute a lot of that back to my mother because she was the exact same way. And so I'm just, I'm proud of our state, the way we've responded to things, but I'm also, I feel proud of myself because there's, I've had a quite a few things on my plate that I've had to handle and keep moving and stay strong in the process. So yeah, I think pride is probably one of the best ways to describe how I feel about myself getting through a lot of the things that we've, we've endured in Oklahoma. Oh, for sure. So let's kind of shift focus a little bit and talk about uh, the racial upheaval that we are seeing today. Um, How can Oklahomans really be honest about our history and grapple with those racial incidents such as the Tulsa Race Massacre or the Trail of Tears uh, and then grow from that? I do feel that's very important and that's a really good question. I think, and it's interesting because we have an inclusion and diversity group where I work now and it's, I think it's just being open to listening to others' stories and open to understanding what people have gone through and not Mm -hmm. being judgmental yeah. because you don't know someone's story. And I think it's just, it's really important to me to be open to listening and to understanding what people have gone through. And I just think that that's one thing that I share a lot of times with people who ask me, one of the first questions I get from people is, is that your real name? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, are you Indian, Native American? And I say, yep. And they say, what kind? (laughs) Like, well, Cherokee. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. the name. I think for a long time people thought maybe it was a stage name for me or something. I just <laughs> oh. think it's good to be open yeah. and and welcoming because everybody matters. Everybody matters. 
And it's just good to be willing to investigate, if you will, and find out more about your neighbor or the person that you're on a Zoom call with or the person that you meet at the grocery store. Or mm-hmm. I just think being open to everybody's story is is helpful. And I think that kind of puts your heart in an open place where you can embrace others' differences because that's really important to me. Absolutely. So we did mention, we did talk a little bit about the Oklahoma standard, but as an Okie, how have you seen Oklahomans kind of push through and enact that Oklahoma standard to come back stronger? I see it every day. Well, I used to see it every day because my office downtown is right near the Oklahoma City uh, National Memorial. Hmm. And so I would drive by it every day and I just think how proud I am of the way our state responded to that tragedy. And there have been many. And then when you mentioned the tornadoes and then the earthquakes and all the weather-related things, I just think Oklahomans are so strong and so willing to help others. When something happens, there's never a shortage of people who show up to help, Mm. which I think is fabulous. And that's the way we all should be. I just think there are times when we all get in in our own worlds and in our own heads and everything that's going on, you know, with our personal lives may seem like it's more important than the big picture. But I do think when the Oklahoma standard was born, if you will, it just seemed so natural that Oklahomans jump in and help. They want to help. And especially when someone is struggling and maybe having an emotional time with losing their home in a tornado or losing a loved one in the bombing or, you know, the history of the race massacre, just all of those things. I think Oklahomans are just so willing to be compassionate and -hmm. to understand. And I know the Oklahoma standard was here long before that name was given to it. And I hope it, it lasts forever, honestly. Yeah. So how do you think people in Oklahoma as a, as a state can find the light in the midst of all of the darkness that we seem to be kind of grappling with? I think just coming together and being open to working with people and to understanding what they're struggling with and reaching out. Because I think I've learned this past year in this pandemic, honestly, kind of feeling sorry for myself because I'm here living and working alone and I thought, you know, there there are times when, yes, you're going to have down moments, but it's also important to reach out to your neighbor and reach out to your friends and mm-hmm. just to really be willing to get out of that mindset that you are the only person that's handling something that you're going through at that point. My neighbor, she and I have spent a lot of good time together in the past year. She lives alone as well. And I think it's just important to be willing to reach out. And I think a lot of times people aren't willing to do that because there's either fear of the reaction you might get or Mm. fear of that person won't be open to talking with you. I just think being willing just to be open and and learn more about others' struggles. Yeah, that's that's important. Really important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think Oklahomans will come back and be more resilient and better? than we were. How do you think Oklahomans, along with the rest of the nation, can change our path now rather than going back the way it was? But what do you think a new normal might look like for us? Gosh, if I had the answer to that, I would probably be a millionaire by this point. (laughs) I have these discussions with friends all the time about, you know, what the new normal is going to look like, what the new normal will be, you know, to get back out in the world, to 
go to restaurants, go to shopping malls to get back into whatever routine that you used to have. But mm-hmm. I don't think looking back, and I've, I've told myself this so many times because looking back, that's in my rearview mirror. I'm trying to look forward to a better future, a different future, I think it will be for sure, but a, a bright future and to be happy. So I, I'm a very spiritual person. I pray all the time. And I do believe that the path that is going to be laid out for me, while I don't know what that looks like, I'm excited about the future. And yeah. I hope that other Oklahomans are as well, because we have struggled. This has been a rough time for so many people. But I think just being hopeful, and in fact, I probably shouldn't tell this, but that's the word hopeful is my password for a lot of things that I do. <laughs> because every day when I type that in, I think, okay, yes, yes, it's a new day. I am hopeful. And I think Oklahomans definitely have that hope. And those who don't, uh, I think that's that would just be a goal. I think for many just to be able to find hope and look toward the future because what's in the past is in the past and we will have to adjust to a new life and a new normal. But it's exciting to think of, you know, yes, we've struggled. We're getting through this pandemic. We've lost some great Oklahomans in this past year, but there is hope and there is a light somewhere down there at the end of that tunnel, I think. Yeah. So with that hope, how how does our society kind of cope with not only the pandemic, as you've been talking about, but the racial heartache that is so prevalent today and seems to be an issue that may never go away? And it shouldn't go away. We should always be cognizant of the history of our state yeah. and all of the injustices that have happened to people. We should never forget that. But I do think, and I keep saying this, being open to listening to other stories and being sensitive So someone maybe on your team might be extra quiet one day. Maybe they're reacting to something that's happened in their family or some the way that maybe they were treated as a child or their relatives were treated in years past. Mm -hmm. I just think being open to understanding that we all have experiences in life and many of them may not be pleasant. But to be open to helping people and understand that and just be willing to listen. To me, one of the greatest compliments that anybody could ever give me or anyone else is you're a really good listener. Because I think in many times when we're having conversations and you're having things going on in your own life and you're struggling with this or that or whether you can't pay your bills or you've lost someone in your life. But also when you're talking with someone, they may be struggling, too. And to be able to be willing to listen and open your heart, I think that's critical. Absolutely, yes. Now, what do you think that Oklahomans can learn from dealing with our past tragedies? And how can we apply those to our current situation today with the racial and the COVID pandemics? I think we're seeing a lot of movement in the inclusion and diversity arena. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of companies have either instituted a committee for inclusion and diversity or hired staff with experience and a skill set that can address that. And just being, I think the word inclusive is really where we need to focus because we're all human beings. We're all struggling with the things that have happened in our past. But I do think that that's a bit of encouragement to see a lot of companies, a lot of organizations, a lot of agencies really focus on, let's bring your whole self to work. Let's bring your whole self to the table. Let's bring everything that has made you who you are. Let's sit down and let's embrace that and realize that we all make up 
a great state that we live in. Let's really be open to that. And I think that that is very encouraging to see a lot of companies and agencies and people doing that and, and focusing on why that's important, because it's, it's, it is important that we have a diverse group and a diverse conversation and all opinions matter because they do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, you've you've answered all the questions that we had, but is there anything else that we need to know or any questions that we didn't ask but should have? I appreciate that question more than you know, because when I was working as an investigative journalist, reporter, anchor, whatever the title of the day was, mm-hmm. that was the last question I would always ask people. Oh. After, after the interview, I would always say, is there anything else that you think I need to know? Is there anything else that I didn't ask or is there something that you wanted to share? Yeah. And so I've typically been the person asking that question. So when you ask me, I'm like, hmm, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else? I just think I, I'm very happy and proud that you all wanted to get my opinion on these important issues. I just think it's the time for all of us to be compassionate with each other yeah. and to give some grace when... Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't feel like you need to, or mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, that person is strong. They can handle anything. Yeah. And just be open to hearing what their struggle is. And if they don't share it and you feel it, ask questions and listen. And just, I just think being compassionate with each other is, is how we're going to get through all of this and being happy because it looks pretty bright from my point of view right now. Thank you for listening to Survive and Thrive. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast by searching Survive in OKLA. We are your hosts, Carolee and Brooklyn. Join us every Wednesday for new episodes. Also participating in this podcast project are Kimberly Burke, our manager, Jesse Smith, researcher and writer, Ji Xuan Fan, the social media coordinator, and Miranda Vondale, our audio engineer. This podcast is presented by Gaylord News in collaboration with the Institute for the Study of Human Flourishing.